You're listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Saturday night service in Brea, California. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Hey, we're going to get into this. I got a word that I want to share, and I've only got a few minutes, and then we're going to dismiss you guys outside, and we've got some delicious food to celebrate James. Uh, We've got our outdoor cafe set up. Um, Now that we have the time change, that means the sun is out a little bit longer, so we get to enjoy the beautiful evening outside as soon as we're done here. But I got a word the Lord has put on my heart, so let's get ready to rumble. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word, and I pray that open hearts will happen here tonight, open ears will happen here tonight to receive this word like seed sown into good soil in the name of Jesus Christ. Can we all say amen? Amen. Mm. I'm a little bit dry. I apologize with the winds blowing and a little sniffly. Um, If you weren't here last week, we started into a new series called, what's the new series called? Juicy fruit, that's right. We gave out these little packs of juicy fruit gum. If you didn't get one of these, we still got some in the back. Look back at Ken. Ken, wave at everybody. We got packs of juicy fruit. You're welcome to take any of those. They're free. They don't cost anything. And we, uh, we, we handed that out because this, is a, this series called Juicy Fruit is actually a complement to the series that we started at the beginning of the year called Rooted. We started with the roots, and now we're talking about the fruit and what that means to be a person who is a fruitful person. We passed out this juicy fruit gum because it, for me, it's a flavor of childhood. And we kind of took a, we took a survey to say, what kind of fruit does it taste like? And it, it doesn't taste like any specific fruit. Uh, Mr. William Wrigley created a gum that was supposed to remind you of fruit that is juicy. And so that's what he did 125 years ago, and it's still one of the number one gums uh, sold around the world. Pretty good. A little pack of gum made him a multi-millionaire. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Pretty incredible, that juicy fruit. Well, just like William Wrigley created this gum to remind people of juicy fruit, God in heaven created you to be a reminder of fruit, not only to be a reminder of fruit, but but to be like a fruit tree, to be like a, a vine that produces fruit in your life. Not gum, but like a real fruit tree, like this avocado tree, or an apple tree, or an orange tree, or vines like tomatoes, which I believe is a fruit, right? Isn't that what I've heard? A tomato is a fruit, kind of, sort of, maybe. It's supposed to be, we're supposed to have a life much like those plants. We saw last week that in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, you and I were made, right here, this next screen, we were made to be fruitful. Everybody say, be fruitful. Each of us, all of humanity was made to be fruitful. Now, somebody asked me after the service, well, Pastor Kelly, wasn't, uh, wasn't God talking about Adam and Eve having babies? I mean, wasn't he, was not what God was meaning to go out there and make some babies? Isn't that what he meant? Well, yes. In, in, in one instance, in one level, yes, God was talking about them reproducing and multiplying and filling the earth with other humans. But in the broader sense, God continued over the centuries to remind humanity you were created to be fruitful, to be productive, to live a life of significance, not just survival. You see, God wanted them to reproduce, but to also be fruitful and to produce and live a productive life, a life that is productive and significant. Later on, Jesus would come on earth, God in the flesh, And he would continue to use that terminology about being fruitful. And he would also use words like abundance. I have come that you would have life and have it abundantly. 
like a basket of fruit overflowing. It's kind of the image we have there. So our theme verse for this series called Juicy Fruit is a verse that I want all of us to memorize and we're gonna start very simply by, uh, we're gonna read this verse together. It's our theme verse. It's found in John chapter 15, verse five. It's the words of Jesus Christ. And it's gonna be a reminder for all of us what our role is here on earth. So on the count of three, I want all of us to charge this atmosphere with God's word and read loudly and clearly. Ready? One, two, three, begin. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We are not meant to be ordinary. We are meant to be extraordinary. We are meant to be juicy fruit. Fruit that is producing something that is delicious and wonderful. God never meant for you just to survive. He wants you to thrive. A life of mediocrity is not why you were created. You were created to be fruitful, to be fruitful. This is what Jesus says, be fruitful. Throughout the scriptures, we read over and over the reference of trees and fruitfulness. And in our last series on Rooted, we talked about being rooted in Christ Jesus and driving our roots down and being like a fruit tree. This is our avocado tree, which is a fruit. And this is our little symbol of what it means to be in Christ Jesus, being, growing, and producing fruit. But in John chapter 15, Jesus uses another visual illustration to express who we are to be. And it's this picture right here. Doesn't that look beautiful? Any of you wine drinkers in here going, oh yeah, that looks like something going good is going to come out of that. Those plump wine, those plump grapes. John 15, Jesus uses this illustration of vines, of grapevines. And it was the perfect metaphor because grape harvesting and wine production was the prominent industry during Jesus' time. And not only during Jesus' time, but for thousands of years before that. The wine industry still is, and almost always has been, almost since the beginning of time, one of the top industries in the world. Matter of fact, when you read all the way back in the beginning in Genesis, Noah's first job after the flood was over, and, and we, we, it's recorded that after the flood and he starts to do something, he plants a vineyard and he starts producing wine. It's been around for a long time. And so on this particular occasion in John chapter 15, Jesus uses this very common illustration, this very prominent visual illustration of grapes and grapevines. And the timing is very important and very specific. Here's the setting. John chapter 15. In the previous two chapters, John chapter 13 and John chapter 14, the two chapters leading up to John chapter 15, Jesus is in the final supper or the final meal with his disciples. It's his last time eating a meal with his followers. And by the way, sitting down and eating a meal, particularly in that culture, was very significant. It was, it, was, it was hours were spent 
building relationship, having conversations. And so Jesus has just spent this time doing the thing that he, one of the things he loved the most, breaking bread with the people that he loved. And in chapters 13 and 14, he wraps up his time. During that period, during those chapters, he drops the bomb, boom, right in the middle of the guys and says, hey guys, I'm not gonna be here very much longer, I'm leaving. And of course, they were all surprised, like, wait a minute, they're thinking that he's gonna sit on a throne and he's gonna overthrow Rome and Rome would no longer be in, in, in charge. And he says he's about to leave, so of course, they're all surprised and shocked going, what's going on? But then he comforts them and gives them some words of comfort saying, hey, it's okay, I'm not gonna leave you like orphans. I'll be sending another, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, who will be there with you. And then he says, okay, guys, let's go. And they leave the upper room, and they begin to head out. At the end of chapter 14, we see that Jesus and the disciples leave, and they head out of the upper room. They go out into the nighttime. It's probably a cool night. And they follow him. And they make their way. He probably might have mentioned to them where they were going. Their destination was a garden at the Mount of Olives, a garden called Gethsemane. In English, we pronounce it Gethsemane. They were making their way there. But prior to getting there, Jesus and his followers are making their way through the winding streets of Jerusalem, and they, they leave the city, uh, the city boundaries, and they head off into the Kedron, or the Kidron Valley. The Kidron Valley was known for its wine. Because in this Kidron Valley, there were terraces of ancient vineyards that were hundreds of years old, producing some of the finest wine in that entire region. It wasn't by chance. It wasn't by accident. You see, Jesus always did everything intentionally. And he leads these guys after they just had their final, their final meal, after he just broken bread and initiated a new covenant that we call communion with the breaking of bread and the taking of wine. He walks them down through the Kidron Valley. And I can imagine, just as he is saying these words in John chapter 15, he stops and he takes a hold of a bundle of grapes that are probably growing right there along the side of the road with some vineyard. And he says these words in John chapter 15, verse one. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser the vintner, the one who cares for this vine, the one who's in charge of all of this. But I am the vine. Jesus loved to share deep spiritual truths with simple earthly, earthy examples. Not earthly, but earthy examples, right? He talks about water. He talks about trees. He talks about vines so that we humans can get our minds wrapped around this and begin to understand it. And in his last message, before he dies, he shares a reason why we're here on earth. This was his last message before he is arrested, convicted, and crucified. This is his last message. These are the last words of Christ before he now enters into that season of torture and sacrifice. And it has everything to do with being fruitful. So you might say, Pastor Kelly, why would we camp out on this? Why is it so important? Because literally in the beginning of time, when God creates Adam and Eve, the first thing he says to them is be fruitful and multiply. The first words that God gives to humanity is be fruitful. And the last words that God in the flesh gives to his followers before he goes to his sacrificial death is about being fruitful. It's pretty important. 
pretty significant if it's the first and last words. So let's take a look in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, where we're going to camp out for a couple of weeks and begin to discover our purpose and our privilege. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. Take a look, and you can follow along with me as I read. The words are on the screen. It says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more fruit. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, or another translation says, abide in me. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. See that picture? Those who remain or abide in me and I in them will do what? Produce much fruit. Tonight's message is entitled, Much Fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Apart from me, you can do, or as some would say, you can do no thing. No thing. The picture is simple. Let me sum it up for sake of time. The picture is simple. Jesus is the vine. He's the source. And I, and I, and I want to kind of give you guys this picture. Earlier on, I was saying how Jesus makes all things new. Remember that? I was saying that during worship that, that Jesus says over and over in the New Testament and then even in the book of Revelation, he says, I make all things new. Check out this picture. So Jesus makes all things new. And then it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, then you are a new creation. Behold, all things have passed, old things have passed away, and all things have become new. So there's something about this being in Christ that produces something new. Well, think about a grapevine. If, a gra if, if Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, the vine has the responsibility to take the fertilizer and the nutrients and everything from the soil and get it to the branches so that the branches can produce the fruit. Isn't that right? The vine has the responsibility of transforming what is yucky and gross and disgusting and turning it into something nutritious, something possibly delicious through your life. The vine takes something that's old, manure is old, right? Manure is old and gross and it's, it's waste, and take that old and transform it into something new and delicious through the branches. Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. And Jesus takes all the stuff from the past, all the crap that you've been through, all the, all the hardships and hurt, and he somehow miraculously can transform it and produce something beautiful through you. I hear testimonies all the time of men and women who will say, man, before I was in jail, I was, I was a drug dealer, I was abusive, but Jesus transformed me and changed me, and it's a paradox. It's a miracle 
that God can take somebody, man or woman, so hard and broken and turn them into somebody that is producing fruit in their life, doing good. It's a miracle, and that's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus does, like a vine that transforms fertilizer and water and dirt and muck and transforms it into delicious fruit that can produce wine that brings joy. He is the vine, and we are the branches, drawing our nourishment from him, right? And here's what it says. If we abide in him, if we remain in him, then we will do what? Produce, say much fruit. Much fruit. That's what we'll do. We will produce much fruit. If we abide, if we remain in him. I love, I love it there. Did you see that? It isn't that you'll automatically do that. When you say yes to Jesus, it says if you'll stay in Jesus. If you'll abide in Jesus, then you'll produce much fruit. But apart from him, you can do nothing. Nothing. The Lord showed me a few years ago because I would say, well, God, I, can, I see people doing stuff that don't know you. I've seen movies that are made by people who don't know you. I've seen people making money that don't know you. And the Lord, when I was reading this one day, the Lord began to show me, oh, yes, but apart from me, their stuff will amount to nothing because it's not eternal. The Bible calls it wood, hay, and stubble that just burns up like in a fire. What we do apart from Jesus is really not wor is worth nothing. It will amount to nothing. It's not eternal. But what we do in Christ is long-lasting. It's eternal. It's impacting. I said yes to serving Jesus and going into ministry because I wanted to make an eternal difference. I remember very clearly driving down the, the 10 freeway on my way to Cal Poly Pomona where I was all registered and signed up as a biochemistry major Finished my first two years at a local community college, got my associate's degree in chemistry, and was headed to Cal Poly Pomona, was all signed up and ready to go become a legalized drug dealer. I was going to go in the pharmaceutical world, <laughs> make lots of money selling pills legally, legally. But I remember very clearly, I pulled over to the side of the freeway because I felt the Lord was stirring on my heart. And I had to listen. I had to stop, so I pulled over. And I know this sounds super corny, but this is what I heard in my spirit. God said, you can make a better pill and take away people's pain for a little while. Or you can bring them the gospel. I know, corny, I know. I know, I was young and stupid. But that's how God spoke to me through my young and stupid brain. You can give them the gospel and alleviate their pain forever. And I said yes to Jesus at that time. I said yes to Jesus because I wanted to make eternal impact. I wanted fruit that would last. Fruit that would last. So, if you're like me, and you read this passage of scripture, there's two questions that probably come to your mind, and, and these two questions are what come to my mind when I read this passage of scripture. The first question is, what is our fruit? What is that? What, what is fruit? Why? What is it? And is it that important? And the second question is, how do I abide in Christ? How do I remain in Christ? What does that mean? I said yes to Jesus. Doesn't that mean that everything is fine? Well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to answer those two questions over the next couple of weeks. I want to look at those two questions and say, what is our fruit? Why does it matter? And how do I abide in Christ? The first is the fruit. The fruit. 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 
very simply, is the byproduct of healthy growth. Did you hear that? Fruit is the byproduct of healthy growth. Not just trees, but plants and other things are fruitful. But in our instance, what we're talking about, like with a fruit tree or a grapevine, that's the edible portion of a seed-bearing plant intended to provide nourishment, right? It's intended, matter of fact, when God created the heavens and the earth, he says to mankind, he says, all the fruit trees and all that, that is for your, for your food. Go eat and enjoy it. And interestingly enough, it was right after that that he tells man and, man and woman, men, hum, humanity, now you go be fruitful and multiply. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, my dad, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> Mike Fellows, uh, my dad uh, bought a large piece of property in Hesperia back in the 70s, and we moved from Orange County up to uh, Hesperia. I was very angry at my father. He wanted to be, I told, oh yeah, he wanted to be kind of a farmer. Uh, he wanted to have land. He wanted to escape the rat race of Orange County and L.A. County, so he went to Hesperia. And my dad started to be a mini kind of farmer. He took a portion of the land and made like a garden with all sorts of vegetables that we tilled up. And then he took the rest of the property and planted fruit trees all around the property. Some of the, the, mo the most trees that he planted were apricot trees. We had apple trees. We had apricot trees. Um, I think we had a couple of other ones too, but I remember the apple, the apple. Yeah, the apricot and the apple trees. Our apple trees didn't do so well, but man, we got apricots. Lots and lots. Don't they grow very well up in Hesperia? Man, we got lots of apricots. I remember filling bag, grocery bag. Remember when they used to give paper grocery bags for free at the grocery store? Yeah, well, my mom would take and she would save them up and, and we would fill grocery bag after grocery bag of apricots, lots and lots of apricots. I can tell you, honestly, I can't even look at an apricot nowadays without getting the shivers, you know? It's like, oh no, apricots. I start to freak out, and primarily because uh, I discovered one fall afternoon, uh, one fall day, uh, that apricots are a good source of fiber. Did you know that? Yeah, it was, it was hot, and I was collecting. I had bags and bags of apricots, and I got tired, so I went and sat next to the workbench or the workshop, and I took one of those bags of apricots, and I just started eating and eating and eating, and I ate that whole bag of apricots. I think I spent the, the rest of the night in the bathroom because I found out is nature's laxative is what an apricot is. Is that too much TMI, too much information for you guys? Just the word apricot, even looking at my notes here, seeing apricot actually makes my stomach start to go, oh, watch out, fellows. Apricots. Fruit. Fruit. Well, our fruit is a little bit different than that, and I want to talk about our fruit. There's two kinds, of, two areas of fruitfulness, and they're this. Everybody read these with me. Internal fruit, external fruit, or outward fruit. There's the internal and the external. You produce internal fruit. And take a look at this scripture. You produce internal fruit when you allow God's Holy Spirit to work in you. Everybody say, in you. In when you allow God's Spirit to work in you, you produce internal fruit. It's, it's character shaping. And take a look what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Bible lists nine kinds of internal character type fruit that the Holy Spirit will do in you if you will abide and remain. I can tell you, wouldn't it be nice to have a little more joy? Wouldn't it be nice to have a little more peace to sleep through the night? Wouldn't it be nice to have patience, especially those of you who have teenagers, you know what I'm talking about? Patience, kindness. Uh, today we found out at our, at our uh, marriage conference, the number one factor in having a healthy marriage is kindness. Kindness. When a husband and a wife are kind with each other, that's different than niceness we found out. Niceness is like being nice. Oh, nice. Nobody really wants to be nice. You know, if I'm a teenage boy, like Doug Field says, if I'm a teenage boy, he said, he said, if I'm a teenage boy, I don't want girls going, oh, he's so nice. No, a teenage boy wants to be known as hot, right? <laughs> he wants to be known as, as buff, as tough, as strong. Not nice. Not nice. Nice is weak. Kindness is not niceness. Kindness is an attitude. Kindness is an application. Kindness is an action. And we can have kindness as an internal fruit of God's Spirit. This is the kind of fruit that we can have inside. Then there is the outer fruit. Everybody say outer fruit. Outer. On the outside. This is what happens when you allow God to work through you. Everybody say through you. See, there's the inner fruit when God is working in you, and then there's the outer fruit when you are allowing God to work through you. There's two kinds of fruit, the inner and the outward fruit. When you allow God to work through you to impact the lives of others around you, that's fruit. It can be simply sharing your faith story with somebody, also known as your testimony that produces outer fruit in the lives of others. All good works that bring God glory. Take a look what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Nope, back it up. There you go. It says, for we are his workmanship created, here it is, in Christ Jesus. See, it's that abiding. It's being grafted in when we're in Christ Jesus, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Right? That's that outer fruit, all those good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, God desires that we would have inner fruit and outer fruit. That's the kind of person we should be. Outer fruit. Here's some outer fruit. Purchasing diapers for a young family that just had a baby. Struggling to get by. You know, they're just, they're just barely getting by. Trying to put food on the table, trying to do the right thing. Diapers are expensive. Outer fruit says, you know what, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to go, next time I'm at the store, I'm going to buy a few extra packs of diapers. Maybe you're a retired person. You don't even need diapers. Well, maybe you different, need different kind of diapers. Um, you decide to buy some baby diapers too and go help out that young family. You know what I'm talking about? Taking care of a neighbor who's fallen ill and sick. That's outer fruit. It's outer fruit helping pay. Maybe God has blessed you financially. You say, you know what? I'm going to help pay for somebody to go to a marriage conference. I'm going to help pay for a young person to go to camp. I'm going to use that as outer fruit. Serving here faithfully, weekly, regularly. Individuals like John Beeson can't sing his praises enough. 
one of the most faithful men of God that I've seen here at this church, showing up and serving and saying, what can I do, Pastor Kelly? Painting, fixing, making sure that this place is in order so that we can come worship God together. That's outer fruit. That's fruitfulness. That's being fruitful, you see? Or maybe even just living like a missionary and going and saying yes to Jesus and going someplace where God has called you, like Portland, Oregon, where it rains all the time. <laughs> Crazy missionary stuff like that. That's fruitfulness. That's outward fruit. Check it out as we begin to wrap up. When we say yes to Jesus and we allow the Holy Spirit to work inside of us, he begins to produce inner fruit that should produce outer fruit. And that outer fruit is supposed to be nourishing. Remember what I said earlier? I said God talks about fruit trees as food in the Old Testament. And in the very next few verses, after he said, those fruit trees are for food for you, he goes on and says, now you be fruitful and multiply. He's insinuating, he's inferring that your life should be a blessing to others, just like that fruit tree is a blessing to you. See what I mean? So when God is saying be fruitful, it isn't just about you growing fruit and going, check out how religious and cool I am. Check out all my fruit. Aren't I beautiful? No, that fruit is supposed to be nourishment and blessings to others. As you receive peace, you should be bringing peace into situations. As you receive joy, you should be looking for ways to make situations and families and neighbors joy-filled. As you experience kindness from God's mercy, you should be extending kindness. You see, fruitfulness is about what's going on inside and outside. And this fruit is the sign of healthy spiritual growth. And it's intended to be shared. Does this matter to God? It does. It does. And I want to close with these words from Jesus. Take a look at the screen up here. Our fruit matters. You being fruitful matters. God cares about your fruitfulness. One preacher said when quoting John chapter 10, verse 10, John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. One preacher said this. He said, the first one that Jesus said, I have come that they would have life, that means eternal life, salvation. And life abundantly, Jesus says, that means fruitfulness. See, Jesus came that you would have salvation and be fruitful. See, that's what Jesus was talking about there. And each of the Gospels record Jesus emphasizing the importance of our lives being fruit-filled. Take out your phones really quickly, would you? And just take a picture of this screen, would you? Because I want you to go home tonight. I want you to see the words of Jesus. Not just the words of Kelly, but the words of Jesus. Take a picture of that, those scriptures. And tonight, just before bed, Read these four passages of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, Jesus says, they will be known by their fruit, like a tree is known by its fruit. In Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 14, Jesus comes upon a fig tree, and he assumes that if there's a fig tree with leaves at this season, he, he's going to get to eat. So he goes over to pick some figs and he doesn't find any. The Bible says that Jesus cursed the tree. says, you will never produce fruit. And he walked away. Because a fig tree should be producing fruit. It looked like it was producing fruit. 
but it wasn't. And Jesus says, you are supposed to be a fruit-bearing tree, and because of that, you will no longer produce fruit. In Luke chapter 6, verse 43, Jesus compares a good fruit tree to the good things that a person does. A good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. See, fruit matters to God. Finally, in John chapter 15, verse 16, which is the chapter we've camped out on, he says these words. He says, I choose you and I appoint you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should last. You see, God wants you to be fruitful. He doesn't want your life to be a waste. He created you to have peace and joy and faithfulness and gentleness and kindness and then to be a blessing to others. That's what it means to be fruitful. And the fruit that Jesus provides lasts. Oh, it's so good. It's so sweet. It's so delicious. It's so juicy. It's fruit that lasts and it's eternal. That's why I said yes to Jesus on the side of the road. Yes, Jesus, I will follow your calling. See, because fruitfulness is greater than success. I was looking to be successful in the pharmaceutical world, but Jesus offered me fruit that was going to be significant. A life of significance, not just success. God's desire is that you would be fruitful. Now, some of us would think, well, it should just happen automatically when I say yes to Jesus, right? But that's not true. It's far from the truth. That's why Jesus says, if you will abide in me, if you will remain in me. See, branches have a responsibility to stay stuck in the vine, in a posture, in a relationship with the vine and the vine dresser for it to produce fruit. It's all about abiding. And next week, I'm going to get into what it means to abide. How can you remain in Christ? Do not miss next week. I don't care what you got going on. Grandma's birthday party, send her a gift. <laughs> I know, it sounds harsh. I know it sounds harsh, but you don't want to miss this because this is the key to being fruitful, what it means to abide and to remain in Christ. Oh, Pastor Kelly, you're just trying to build attendance. Yes, I am. I want every single seat full because every single seat I see empty is a seat of a person who is not getting the word of God, who is not gonna be the person that Christ has created them to be. They're not being filled up with the transforming power of Jesus Christ. And so, yes, I want this place full, not for my glory, not for the church's glory, but for God's glory. So don't miss next week. So you can hear about what it means to abide. But let me close with this. Last time for a little while, we get to hang out together. Maybe you feel like a branch that's fruitless and you would like some fruit in your life. Maybe you've been through a dry season and you used to bear fruit but you haven't bearing fruit recently. You desire growth. Or maybe you're starting to see fruit, but you're just not sure what to do next. I want to begin by declaring God's fruitfulness in your life right now. 
I want to close with making a blessing and a declaration over you that you would be fruitful. I want to do what God did in the garden. Oh, Pastor Kelly, are you saying you're like God? No, no. But I want to declare in the name of Jesus Christ that you would be fruitful in your marriage, in your children, that your children would be fruitful, that you would be fruitful in your job, in your school, in your academics, that you would be fruitful in the decisions you have to make in your health, that you would be fruitful. So if you're looking for that, if you're looking for a fruitful life, let's pray right now. Join me, would you? Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we desire to be fruitful people like you created and called us to be. Not just, not just getting by in life, not just living and breathing and dying, but thriving. If that's your prayer tonight, just make that your prayer. And I declare in the name of Jesus, as they pray this prayer, oh Lord God, that you would meet them right where they are, that they would begin to experience fruitfulness in their marriages right now. Right now, if that's you, just say yes in the name of Jesus. I want my marriage to be fruitful. I want my marriage to be fruitful. G invite Jesus into your marriage right now. Into your body, into your health. You need, you need healing from Jesus. Say, God, be fruitful in my health right now. I desire fruit in my health and in my body in Jesus' name. In my jobs, in my decisions right now, declare, God, your fruitfulness in my jobs and in my decisions right now. Lord, in my family and in my kids, be fruitful, be glorified, and may they be fruitful in Jesus' name. <coughs> With their heads bowed and your eyes closed and nobody looking around as I conclude, I want to invite you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, that fruitfulness starts by getting grafted into Jesus. And the way you do that is simply by saying yes to Jesus. The Bible says if we'll confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we're saved. And so, tonight, if you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you into that relationship. And I'm going to invite everybody in the room to just pray. We're going to pray a salvation prayer together. And if this is your first time, let this be your salvation prayer. I invite everybody to repeat after me. Say, God in heaven, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died on a cross which paid for my sins and now reconciles me back to God. I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Help me to be fruitful as I am grafted into the vine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord an applause? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out our website at wearerefinery.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram at wearerefinery. God bless.